I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wokecast. Joining me, as always, my impressive co-host, it's G from WoTV. What up, mate? What's good? I'm good. I'm fresh-faced. There was no way. I just had a gut feeling. I was just, just going to just, just tell it as it is. I had a gut feeling that looking down the lineup for yesterday's card, UC253, wicked headliner, wicked co-headliner, um, co-main, obviously, and main event were um, title fights. But the rest, for me, it was kind of like, mm, meh. Now, I know, I know I've said in the past, look, never judge a card until it's over, but my spidey sense was tingling with this one. So I went to bed and I watched... <laughs> basically the main card in the morning oh yeah like um i had trouble staying up like i was on twitter like oh my god y'all help me like i might need to make coffee like i don't know some of the fights were hit or miss and it was just like you said wow. like i don't know some fights i i don't know they just weren't very exciting a lot of them and then finally we got to the co-main and main event and i woke up a bit so i feel you on this though mike i well, okay, because we've got quite a lot to get through, um, let's quickly canter through um, Bellator, Milan, and UFC 253, and then we'll go on to listener questions. Now, for me, um, Bellator Milan was a little bit of a mixed bag. I would say that the prelims, and it was a long-ass prelims, oh. I must say, <laughs> which, you know, uh, you know, actually, let me, let me, let me dial that back. Let's first of all say, well done, Bellator. Well done, Bellator, in making your product accessible. Well done, Bellator, in actually putting on uh, a card for the European fighters. But well done, uh, Bellator. I mean, we have to keep remembering. Uh, well, I certainly have to keep, um, I have to be reminded that they're doing this in the midst of a pandemic. I know it's a well-worn cliche now, it's a well-worn phrase, but these are facts, right? Yeah, pretty much. It is a pandemic going on, and they got a, and Bellator's got a lot going on. Now, for me, the prelims, the, well, the, the prelims which I was really, really looking forward to, and um, you know, I have to say, in, in, to a certain extent, delivered on the prelims. I have to keep emphasising that, and that was Luke Trainer, um, who's now four and defeated Alex O'Toole, who was six four and one. Why this for me was kind of like significant is because. Luke Trainer came through the light heavyweight um, tournament, which basically the prize at the end of this tournament, um, it was another promotion, was a shot at being in Bellator oh, and yeah. being signed to Bellator. I so that. that that was quite significant. Yeah, uh, I do remember it being, um, if I remember rightly, it was a John Kavanagh exactly, promotion. Yes, I can't remember. I think it was something like Euro Fight Night. Anyway, that's what's quite. Um, well, keen on seeing what Luke was capable of. And it, it's clear that this guy has potential. It's clear that he could be a future poster boy for Bellator. So that's definitely one to watch. The other one, which um, 
I was really intrigued about was our old friend Franz Malamba. You know, he's been on the show um, yes. quite a few times. Uh-huh. And he was clashing Corey Tate. Now, Corey Tate is someone who I interviewed when he was an amateur. I'm, I'm sure, if memory serves me correctly, this was about eight years ago. And at that time, I thought to myself, wow, this guy's prowess. And this was an amateur. I can see potential here. This guy is going to be fire. So now, fast forward eight years and... You know, he's um, he's signed to Bellator now, which is really good to see. And um, unfortunately, though, for Corey, he um, was on the wrong side of a unanimous decision. But also, um, what else actually floated my boat? The Jamaican mm. on the card, Akon Wanless, um, unfortunately was on the wrong side of a unanimous decision against Alfie Davis. Now, I'm a big fan of Alfie Davis. I know you shouldn't really be biased, but <laughs> Alfie Davis... Um, you might recall he, he's produced some highlight reel knockouts like he's a real fan of the axe kick and he can like seemingly produce those at will so it was good to see him I mean like I said I know I'm doing a quick canter through but those really for me were the standouts they were the highlights those were the guys who I was looking forward to seeing but skipping forward to the main card and again I've got to really big up Bellator for this because those were all available on YouTube those prelim uh, cards and like I say whilst it was deep it's a lot to get through mm-hmm. you know this is MMA that you know didn't cost us anything it wasn't pay-per-view so skipping forward then to the main card which was on Channel 5 in this country is a big deal because it's a, what they call a terrestrial um, TV uh, broadcaster now it's a big deal to have MMA, Mixed Martial Arts, on a terrestrial channel. So Channel 5, as I say, uh, live on Channel 5, we saw Bellator Milan. Now, that's where it stopped being attractive and intriguing. Because maybe I'm being really, really harsh. That's why it's a shame that you didn't see it. But (laughs) I thought all three, and that was the featured fight between Will Flurry and uh, Kent Kalpernan, which ended in a unanimous decision. And Mike Shipman versus Pietro Peninin, which uh, ended again in a unanimous decision. And the main event, our main guy, Fabian Edwards, who took on Costello Van Stienis. Now, you'll remember that this is a long-running feud. You'll remember that there's been some words exchanged Mm -hmm. for the longest while. You'll also remember that Fabian Edwards was on last week's show telling us all that he was going to and do this guy and basically end this fight in the second round. Um, nothing could have been further from the truth. And unfortunately for Fabian, his O did go. He's now 9-1 and one as um, Costello Van Stienis came out on the right side um, and defeated Fabian Edwards via split decision. Damn. Now... I can see in the future they're going to run this back because, you know, to lose via split decision, um, it didn't look as though, for me, that Fabian was his, um, how can I say it, enthusiastic and um, venomous self. I mean, he's nicknamed the assassin and it seemed like, you know, it seemed like he'd left his, his gun at home. But yeah. very, uh, very, well, it seemed like he was a little bit gun shy, but... To top things off, we have this all to look forward to again next week. Not only do we have a midweek card to look forward to, headed up by Paul Daly and Derek Anderson. Again, we we go live on Channel 5 next week, Saturday, when our man, 
um, James Gallagher. Well, he's my guy. I do like the guy. I know he's not everybody's <laughs> cup of tea. Um, he will be clashing our guy, who um, we, 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 we know and love. Cal Eleanor uh, will be clashing James Gallagher guy. next Saturday. Yep. Now, for, for me, I can't wait to see that. I mean, I think this is uh, at fourth time of trying. This is Bellator's equivalent of uh, Khabib versus... Tony Ferguson. <laughs> it so really good is. To see those two actually, <laughs> yeah, finally get it on. But I did say that we we're going to quickly canter through. So, skipping now um, to UFC 253, um, what was your highlight from the prelims? My highlight from the prelims was the featherweight bout between Ludovic Klein versus Shane Young. So, Shane Young, we know, is from City Kickboxing under the tutelage of. Izzy's coach, Eugene Behrman. Shane's no slouch, Mike. Mm. Okay, like he's a well-rounded fighter. And he hasn't surpassed a two-fight win streak in the UFC, but he has a two-fight win streak in the UFC. But here's the thing about uh, Ludovic Klein. Quiet is kept. He's somebody we're going to enjoy in the UFC, Mike. Prior to this fight, he was on an eight-fight win streak, Okay. He's 17 mm. and 1. It's ridiculous. And he's nothing but a highlight reel of submissions and also he's a knockout artist. So for his nice. U- exactly. So for his UFC debut against a city kickboxing dude in Shane Young, he high kicks Shane mm. Young into the cage in the first round and follows up with hard accurate shots which resulted in the TKO win. It was nuts. It was beautiful. It was it was technical and it's just the way you want to have a, you know, a UFC debut and Mike go back and watch that fight it was just beautiful and also remember his name I think this is somebody we're going to have a lot of fun with in the featherweight division okay a little bit Klein. Yes. I like the way that you you must have been practicing that in the mirror look how slick look how easy that rolled off your tongue I mean I've been working on it man I've been sounding pretty <laughs> fucking crazy on this podcast with names so <laughs> you both you know we struggle a bit there but you know we're working on it So um, Mm. I got another one for you, though, real quick, Mike. We have to talk about Diego Sanchez versus Jake Matthews. Ah, you stole my thunder. That is exactly (laughs) the one I was going to leave with. But what I was going to say is, yeah, that's a name which definitely rolls off the tongue. That's a recognizable name. And that's why, out of all the prelims uh, that I I had to um, definitely double back on, that was the only one that uh, intrigued and interested me. And only because it's Diego, you know, the legend Sanchez, you know, tough one uh, winner, basically, for me. Um, I just wanted to see what shape in 2020, as we go, as we go, well, I suppose into the latter part of this year, where Diego Sanchez is in terms of mindset, where he is in terms of skill set, where he is in terms of, well, tenacity. And, you know, I, for, for, okay, let let, 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 let me compose myself. (laughs) He looked, and that is, physical specimen looked great. He doesn't look as though he's aged from tough one. He looks great, but it's not really mirrored by his performance. And you think he looks great? Getting like cut up. No, I mean physically looked great. Yeah. Okay. I don't agree, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. No. I thought I saw a little. I thought I saw a little chunk in the middle. I thought you know. I thought he looked a little. Oh, I I wasn't actually talking about his body. I was talking about his facial features. When you compare what he looks like now to what he looks like um, when he won tough. Oh uh, no, he looks great. Yeah. He really does look great. Yeah. Yeah, He's very handsome. See Mm -hmm. now. 
now, 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 the, the thing for me, which was like, oh man, moment, was when he was getting pieced up on the floor yeah. and like, you know, he was spilling blood. And, you know, literally, Jake Matthews was painting his face across the canvas. Yeah. And that was a hard watch. But, um, you know, this is an old adage of mine. I will never tell a fighter when it is their time to quit. They will actually be the one that dictates that. But, man, yeah, I was... really do feel that um, I'm, I, I'm not enjoying the latter part of Diego Sanchez's career. And if this is going to be it from here on in, I can't wait for him to get to the end of his, uh, his, uh, his contracted, um, well what he's yeah, got his, left on his, his journey like UFC. yes like mm. take a break brother because it's like diego looks crazy and down to fight as usual but he just had nothing for jake you know what i mean like he's he's older he's he's definitely declining the athleticism isn't there and but here's the thing mike when it comes to jake matthews he's had three wins in a row now in the ufc and all of them have been decisions and i feel like when when the ufc gives you a declining older legend of a fighter like diego sanchez you should capitalize off of that and maybe break your decision win streak you know i feel like mm. he didn't you know capitalize off of fighting diego sanchez you're, you're you're fighting someone that's legendary but also like in the worst time of his career so you should just kind of maybe submit him or try to knock him out and make a statement here especially with only three decision wins but you know i didn't really see anything different or an improvement in jake matthews but a win is a win but i'm gonna ask you this mike were you not happy to see stefan bonner in his corner that night though yeah, I mean, considering the clowns that he's had yes. in the past and considering the instructions he was getting and yep. you know, he was being given a sense of urgency there. Yeah, that was a, a reassurance and it was good to have, you know, a, a whole an old head, a veteran. Yes, like a sport, big brother. Knows yeah. <laughs> what he's talking about and doing. Uh, guiding his career exactly because when I saw Stefan Bonner I was like exactly you just can't have Joshua in there with Diego because the last time that happened it looked like he was gonna die against Michelle Piera so I'm happy that Stefan Bonner stepped up but like we always say almost every episode it's not our place to tell any fighter to retire but I'd like to see him head in yeah. that direction you know, and if and if Jake mm-hmm. is gonna fight somebody that's in that form, you should capitalize on that. But a win is a win. You know, happy form. Yeah. yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. The um, skipping forward to the main card now. Um, Hakeem Dawadu and uh, Zabara Tukogov and um, Caitlin Vieira and Sajara Eubanks. I'm not gonna lie. They didn't really do anything for me. Um, I'd be be hard pressed to say that you know this is something that I I, I would rewatch. Yeah, I watched Hakim Duwadu versus uh, Tuganov, and it was it was a decent fight, Mike. I mean, you can go back and watch it. It's it's pretty cool. It's just that um, Tuganov kind of fell off towards the second and third round. He came out strong. Yeah, they were boxing boxing each other up a little bit, and he was out of range defensively so beautifully because Duadu could not counter him in the first round but then his energy began to sap and he started making mm. bad decisions and then suddenly 
he started to skate like he started to run around the ring towards like the third round and so much so that Duwadu started yelling at him Mike like he put his mm. hands down and was like fucking stop running fight me <laughs> so I mean that there was a little drama in it and it was you know it was worth you know maybe a watch for that but I know that Caitlin Vera and um, Sahara Hubanks, I missed that fight and from what I'm seeing I, I didn't really miss much but good on um, you know Caitlin no. Vera for coming out with that win but yeah I, I don't that was one of those fights where I was like, oh, man, like, uh, this this card is hit or miss, you know, these fights, so. Mm. But talk about picking up uh, the action after that. I mean, you, there, there was there was definitely um, risk and reward in this card if you were going to stay up. And, you know, I'm glad, as I say, that I caught this in the morning because Kai, Fra- uh, Kai uh, Cara France and yes. Brandor... Roiva, man, what a fight. incredible fight, incredible yeah. fight. The, the the spinning action, that I thought it was um, a spinning back fist, but it was actually an elbow which caught him. Absolutely oh, yeah. incredible. Plus, plus, I, I, I love the fact that um, I, I'll, I'll just I'll just come out and say mm-hmm. it. For me, I'd never never heard of Brandel Roiva before. This isn't someone who I would actually seek out and say, yeah, I'm gonna sit down and watch one of his well, fights. Well, he showed up out of nowhere. You damn sure. He showed up out of nowhere. You damn Mike. sure that I'm gonna do yeah. this. Yeah. You damn sure that I'm gonna do this going forward. Oh, most definitely. I think we all are because quiet is kept. He showed up out of nowhere and he like triangle choked Tim Elliott, right? And Tim mm. Elliott ain't no slouch. So we, you know, I remember being like, who's this guy? But okay, good fight. And then now he comes out against Kai Kara France, and I'm just like, what the hell? Who is this dude? I'm like, my God. He shows up. He submits Mm. Kai Kara France after he survives two overhand rights that wobble him. And then how does he respond, Mike? That spinning elbow that we were just talking about. He he performs a spinning elbow to Kai Kara France's face. And... Then Kai, you know, Kai Car France is like, "What the hell's going on?" So he goes in for this takedown <laughs> and winds up getting, you know, choked out with an arm and guillotine. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. it was wild. But Mike, they're saying mm-hmm. Brandon uh, Roval was a former LFA champion. You know, so wow. this is a former champ, and he did triangle choke, you know, a, a savvy US, UFC vet in uh, Tim Elliott, and now. Mm. Now he submitted Kai Kara France. We definitely have to pay attention to him going forward. And what's going to happen when he fights like Askarov, Brandon Moreno, Pantoja? These are all beasts that it looks like he can <laughs> keep up with. My God, we're in for a treat, you know? I, I, oh, definitely. And then also, real quick, Mike, fuck everybody who said we should scrape the fucking flyweight division. Like, how after watching a fight like that can you even even th- even say or think to scrape this division like we have a newcomer here that's got us all going crazy and look at the fights they put on for us because it's mm, unreal i think we both mm, i think we both know the answer to that though put these guys on a main event put a flyweight main event on nobody's watching it oh, they just it makes aren't me so interested mad. in the little guys <laughs> I know, but look at the performance the little guys put on last night, you know? That, that yeah. it was unreal. Yeah. And then they seem to do it almost every card. Every time these guys fight, I'm just always mm. wild. So it just sucks that people have that attitude. But go ahead, we're getting off track. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I mean, next up, the co-main event for the light heavyweight strap, um, Dominic Reyes uh, mm. versus Jan Blakowicz. And we now have a new European champion, and it's fantastic to see because 
That for me, uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to put my hands mm-hmm. up. That is not how I saw that playing no. out. I saw that, you know, um, going in Dominic Reyes' favour. And um, I didn't think that, you know, he, he would destroy uh, Dominic Reyes in such quick fashion. I mean, leg kicks did seem to be the order of the day in terms of the co-main and the main event. But damn, it looked good. Yeah. And not only did, did Jan Bohovic look so good, Dominic Reyes looked like a shell of himself. Like, he was yeah. not the fast and elusive Dominic Reyes we're familiar with, you know? I was shocked with how many body shots he ate from Jan. And once Jan cut the distance and got inside and dropped that hook, and then and then that straight right that pushed Dominic Reyes' nose to the other side of his face, ugh, I was like, yeah. what the fuck am I watching? Because, you know, Mike, I, I expected Dominic Reyes to cut angles as he countered Jan. I didn't expect him to have a high mm. guard and to retreat from Jan's punches. Like, I was shocked. I was like, what's the game plan tonight? And why is he, how come he's not cutting angles? How come he's not countering him like that slick counterfighter that we're used to? And immediately mm. I'm like, was he distracted by his brothers in his corners? Is it a different type of game plan he's not used to? Like, what happened? Oh, it's, it's just a, it was weird to see him perform like that, Mike. What do you think of his performance? It'd be interesting. Well, it it was pretty uh, dumbfounding. The only thing I could think of was maybe because obviously it being a five round um, contest, maybe you know he was going to pour it on ah, from yes. maybe the second or even you know going into the third, yeah. like turn up the gas. But I, I'm struggling really to kind of like. Um, work out in my mind, rational or rationalize what was going on there. Yeah. I mean, that's why you know his um, first interview is going to be a very intriguing, quite an interesting one because yes. I, I'm I'm confused. Yeah. I really I am. I think most of us are. That's why I asked you so quickly, like, what you think, you know, of his performance because mm. it just he did not look like himself. But you know, Yan looked yeah. great. Yan looked great, powerful as always, and. And then also, too, I think we need to talk about his accuracy. Look at that strawberry or the contusion that developed on Dominic's body. Like, Jan kept ramming that body kick in the same spot really hard over and over again. Like, he yeah. he knows his power, yeah. he knows how to use it, and he's accurate with it. And I was impressed, Mike. You know, confusion does seem to be kind of like, um, not necessarily the theme of all of this card, but certainly <laughs> the co-main and the main event, because... Here we have Paulo, uh, Paolo Costa, who basically always starts quite quickly and is really venomous with strikes and quite accurate with them as well. And he, he's not fearful to engage. But Israel Adesanya made him look oh, ordinary. Oh, my God. And not only that, made him eat his words. And on top of that, disrespected him by humping him. Um, when he was <laughs> the, the booty floor. clap, now, right. <laughs> Now, again, those venomous leg kicks, man. I mean, I've seen um, less tenderized steak. Seriously, it looked quite horrid. Oh, it was frightful. But, you know, hats off to to Izzy. Yeah, it was frightful. Yeah, he looked phenomenal. He actually looked phenomenal. It's a bit of a shame because 
they were looking at this as the the fight of the year. Well, but we thought it was going to be a me, brawl. No, this like, was a bit of a dud. Yeah, mm. I, I, you know, last week we said it too, Mike. Like I, I predicted like a yeah. Kevin Gastelum versus Izzy type of fight, like a back and forth body shots. Izzy gets rocked, Costa gets rocked, and that's not what we saw at all. Like Israel outclassed and literally embarrassed Paulo Costa on every level possible, from start to the booty clap at the very end. Like that's it. Like. <laughs> it, I don't think Paolo was prepared for like Izzy's speed, length, and the sudden use of those low calf kicks. And here's another thing, Mike. I think Paolo was injured and no longer could use his legs but had a really good poker face. And I think Izzy is too talented of a fighter for Paula Costa to make mid-fight adjustments to Izzy. He can do that against Uriah Hall and Yo Romero, but I don't think that he's good enough to figure stuff out against Izzy in a fight. And nobody saw those low leg um, calf kicks coming. Izzy typically doesn't always use those. So for Izzy to take those out at such a rate and to like injure him so quickly, probably befuddled Paolo. Like he he didn't know what to do and it looked like it, you know? And and then on top of it, his legs were hurting, so. Yeah, and and again, for me, the baffling thing was when uh, Paolo Costa went back to his corner, Mm-hmm. And his corner was saying, "Yeah, yeah, that you're doing great. We want more of that." And I'm thinking, "What is that? Oh, he hasn't done anything. Yeah, more of poking your tongue out, more of making faces, yeah. more of more know, of staying outside of range, the center and of the cage, and doing nothing, <laughs> nothing? and yeah. leaving and leaving your front lead leg out, and, and and not checking any kicks, and staying out of range." I didn't even. I don't even remember him throwing any punches. I do remember him landing some body kicks, and he almost landed some scary high kicks. But Izzy blocked them, even though they were like, you know, they looked powerful. He really didn't do anything, mm. and I'm telling you, he just wasn't prepared for Izzy, and he couldn't make those adjustments, and he just fell apart. That poor thing. I'm sure he's so embarrassed too. I mean, Mike, he talks so much shit. I read I read yeah. an article somewhere where he was like, "Yeah, I'm bringing people to the event. Like, more eyes are on this fight because of me, not really because of him. Even though wow. he's the champion." I was like, "Oh my god!" And then he went out there and he did that. Unreal. To be fair, I mean, Izzy told us what it was going to look like. He tweeted, "Look, I'm going to make this look so easy." And yeah. boy, did he. he! And then also, too, we need to take into consideration that when fighters fight, it's also gyms versus gym, too. You know, it's team against team, mm. and the better team won, not just the better fighter. Like, city kickboxing is on a tear right now, and they just have a better gym than Paulo. They had they were better prepared for Paulo Costa, and they also had the better game plan. I don't think the game plan that they had for Paulo Costa would have worked against Izzy. And I suspect, too, that their game plan was to wear him out later in the fight because notice Paolo wasn't that like as aggressive like he wasn't just as come forward anyway even with the leg kicks or not he still usually he walks through things Mike and he keeps coming forward or now he starts putting out Mm. a jab and but he still comes forward I suspect he wanted to just go berserker in the in the later rounds and not use up all his energy go ahead Mike Either that, or he, he he basically did need waking up. I mean, <laughs> you, you could say that Costa needed coffee, man, because really, truly, it was so it was like like being in there with, with a zombie. It was it was bizarre. I think I it think really Izzy's was that strange. I think Izzy's that good. I think when he got in there, I think he trained so hard for that dude and thought he had everything figured out. And then when he got in there, it was nothing like what he had trained for. You know what I'm saying? Like he ain't know what to do. 
I, I, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Izzy is that good. But it just seems strange that, you know, Costa didn't bring yeah. anything to the Like party. the biggest, that's, that's the, the biggest yeah. muscular, aggressive body shot having motherfucker just mm. stood there. Yes. I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we said it last week too, Mike. Like, I didn't even want to, I, I didn't even want to say it was a KO because I just knew, I knew Costa was going to lose, but I thought he was going to bring the heat because he's just that type yeah. of dude, but... Mm, he's ferocious. Yeah, I just think it was the game plan to 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 go crazy later on, and then on top of it, Mike, he ain't know what to do, and his leg was probably burning up. He didn't yeah. check not one leg kick, <laughs> not one. <laughs> right, let's scoot on over to listener questions. We've got a um, audio question first up, and it's by MMA by Milliken. All right. Hey guys, I hope you guys are staying safe and sound and positive. Love your show. Shots fired. Paulo Costa couldn't answer any of those shots. I'm doing Greek counseling for any Paulo Costa fans out there if you need it. <laughs> By the way, you can find ointment for your butt hurt over at your local CVS. <laughs> so, Zabar, who needs to change his name from The Warrior, Tokugov, should he be released from the UFC? for that pathetic performance in the final rounds against Mean Hakeem. That's my question. You guys take care. Now, I think uh, Dana has said this recently, and that is, you know, for those fighters who usually what happens is if you're not doing well and um, you've obviously racked up some losses on the bounce, it's time for you to get cut. So whilst you give your uh, response, what I'm going to do, I'm going to look up uh, where we stand with his record right now. Yeah, because, Mike, we were just discussing this a second ago, and that's when I mentioned, like, in the second and third round, Tuganoff decided to skate. It was very strange. Like, he was doing well in the first round, and I don't know if he thought he was winning the fight or whether he was gassing out because he did come, you know, to the fight overweight. He didn't make weight, so I don't know what his issue was. But he literally started to run away from Duwadu. So that's why Milken is asking this question. And then on top of it, as you look up his loss, Mike, it's not the most impressive. So I would not be surprised if Dana White cuts him. And I wouldn't uh, lose much sleep either if he does. I mean, he had an impressive win over Kevin Aguilar, first round knockout. But other mm, than that, he's struggling here a bit. But go ahead, Mike. To to be fair, um, if we are going to go by Dana's own words... He's only racked up two losses and one draw Mm -hmm. in the last four fights. And before then was a a series and quite impressive series of wins. So I'd be very surprised if they let him go, considering what's probably playing in people's minds when he was walking down towards the cage was the Kevin Aguilar um, TKO. Yeah, which it was a beautiful TKO. I I could see Dana Mm. releasing him or keeping him, you know, but... I wouldn't be surprised either or. I don't find like his career in the UFC that impressive. But I, I did love the TKO by Kevin Aguilar. But as you can see, Mike, it's up for discussion. Milken called in the, in the question. And with his last performance, Mike, you got to go back and watch it. He really did skate. Okay, I'm going to slide on to the next one. Well, we have one from one of our favorite listeners, Mike, Lanta Brown. And Lantum wants to know, why do you think Adesanya is not a bigger mainstream superstar? He seems to have everything going for him. Charisma, creativity, skill, looks. Is it lack of promo or something else? I would love to hear you guys discuss that. What do you think, Mike? 
I'm surprised that she says um, he hasn't got mainstream um, acceptance stroke um, prominence because Puma took him up, uh, I think it was last week, and um, he signed a deal with Puma. So whilst well, Puma for me isn't really the go-to brand, yeah. Um, well, why that's isn't still he a big deal? Why isn't he on Connor's level then? That'll that that'll make me help you understand <laughs> then, since you love Connor so much. How come he's not blowing up like that? Maybe that's what. Well, I suppose there's two things. In in terms of numbers, in terms of traction, in terms of you check out the latest videos which are on the UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, website and sorry the YouTube channel he's doing some serious numbers he's getting the traction but in terms of people clamoring to see him talking about him wanting to buy merchandise and you know um, exalting him to God status yeah I suppose um, she's right in that respect but when you think about it um, it's who the UFC are prepared to push yes. and right now uh, I, I would say that he's not the favorite He's not the exalted one yet. Mm -hmm. But I think when they look at those numbers, especially what he's done in the last week or so, they're going to quickly change their tune. Yeah, I'm... Well, I think... I'm lean, I can see where Lanta's going with this because she kind of put it out there in the tweet. Is it lack of promo push? And I'm going to go with that, Mike. I think the UFC is not pushing him as hard as they should to make him the international mm. star that he could be even more. I get that he has the Puma sponsorship. I get that he's just the UFC middleweight champion and is getting his glow up from that. But however, he's an international star. He's got Nigeria on his back. He's got two countries on his back, Nigeria and New Zealand. Um, and, and it's everything Lanta said, the anime, the personality. And then he's winning in, in exuberant and exciting fashion. I think Dana White in the UFC yeah. can do a bit more. And I think that's why he's not on Connor's level. But I think in due time, he might be if he keeps winning in incredulous fashion like this. I think they're not going to have a choice but to kind of push him in that direction if he keeps, you know, being this huge star and making them money. So, you see, I suppose there's two things mm-hmm. as well. One, I think the metrics which we saw this week, I've never seen before. I've never seen those type of numbers around Izzy. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. I feel that the UFC may be changing their mind. But two, yes. what actually matters to the UFC is how much dollars are you putting in their bank? Yep every time that we put you on a pay-per-view. So, I don't know what his pay-per-view traction's like. I don't know what his pay-per-view buys are like. But that's why Connor gets the shine. Because he outstrips everybody else. He basically gets preferential treatment. So, you know, he can do major fuck-ups, but they'll still um, look after him, pat him on the back and say, yeah, when you're fighting next, because he makes the money. So, because I don't know those metrics, because I don't know those numbers... It's a bit difficult to kind of like pinpoint why. But like I say, this week has been really an an eye-opener for me in terms of um, the metrics and the traction that he has. And, you know, like I said earlier, I really do feel that, you know, the UFC will be looking at those numbers too. Yeah, I think there's room for them to promote him is what I'm saying. I think with like what you're saying, Mike, with that, when that money kicks in or when those numbers kick in, those metrics, and he's a... What do they like to call it? A needle mover? Isn't that Dana's own words? Yeah. Once they realize that he's becoming that dude, whether it's internationally here or whatever the reasons are, they will push him. They will mm. promote him. 
but I just wish they would do that sooner. Because remember, they should have done this for Amanda Nunes, and now she's like starting her family and yada yada yada. So I really oh, did you see that baby? Yes, wow, so adorable, you know. Mm. But sorry, I no, there's a beautiful reason to cut me off. But yes, um, I hope the UFC gets around to doing it. So we shall see. Ready for the next Mm. one, Mike? Yeah, let's okay, go. this one is from Meep MMA slash wrestling, and he says, "With Yan winning last night against Dominic Reyes by brutal KO, what is the next step for the new champion, and sh- who should be his challenger?" <laughs> I think we know what's coming. Mm. John Jones has already said he's not even intimated; he's not even hinted. He has said. Hmm. Would you guys be mad at me if um, if I came back and got my belt? Now, I do believe, if I remember rightly, in the post-fight, either the presser, whatever the activity was, mm-hmm. uh, Jan said more or less the same sort of thing, that he, he would like to uh, take on Jones. Um, I, I, I could be getting my wires crossed, but that's the sort of sentiment that I heard. So I'd be very shocked and surprised if John didn't come back and try and take his belt back. I really wouldn't. And then ride off into the sunset and do uh, a heavyweight um, title clash. But Mike, is he going to heavyweight? Because last night the media kind of asked questions about John Jones to Dana White. And Dana White, mm. every answer mm. was, you know more about John Jones than me. There was no, oh, he's training to put on weight, to be heavyweight. I thought it was very interesting yeah. that Dana White had no answer for John Jones's future, which I thought was very telling. And now you see a tweet from John Jones saying, hey guys, should I go back down and take my belt back? I feel like John Jones has options and Dana White is not really giving into what he really wants and they're just in limbo right now. So there's a huge possibility, yes, that Jan might even be fighting John Jones next. You never know. But let's just say he doesn't, Mike. Let's just say John mm. Jones does go to heavyweight the way we want him to, right? Jan should fight the winner of Tiago Santos versus Glover Teixeira. I think that's a exactly. Good call. Both winnable fights for either. All three of those men could win the UFC title. Like this is, I think champions like Jan are interesting because they're. I don't think he's going to be dominant like John Jones. So this makes things fun and interesting too. Hands can switch. The title can change. So if John doesn't yeah. come back and steal that shit right back, which he will if he fights Jan. I'm sorry. He will mop the floor with that big Polish man. And then <laughs> he will. He will. I feel very strongly saying that. Sorry to my Polish friends. But if. And to your, uh, your, your European listeners yes. who, you know, have now another European compadre in the UFC I who know. has a title. I'm sorry, y'all. But if John come back, he's going to take it back and bring it back to the States. But I love y'all. Okay. <laughs> but Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira <laughs> should be next for him if John doesn't come back. I totally love that. Okay. And we have more. It's funny, you know, just, just oh, talking. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I just wanted to say mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not really um, peculiar or even, um, I suppose, uh, perplexing why Dana is saying you guys know more about uh, John's movements than I because it's clear that there is a massive rift between exactly. those two. It's clear that they don't go in. 
get on. And it's clear that they don't talk. They talk through intermediaries. So, you know, whilst uh, Dana White has a, a tendency to gaslight, I think he spoke um, probably some of his truest words when answering that, oh, those yeah. questions. He, he, he genuinely doesn't but know. But the best part about all of that is, Mike, is that Dana White genuinely doesn't know, and he's not giving us any indication of John Joe's going to heavyweight. We just know that he relinquished yeah. his belt. But if you go online to MMA Twitter, we're all just waiting for the, his bout to be announced in heavyweight. Meanwhile, I'm like, <laughs> y'all, there's some drama that there's not being discussed. Like, there's an elephant in the room. We really, that hasn't been confirmed. So, yeah, you know, there's a huge that's why he's tweeting that. Let me get a let me put that out there and get some fillers and stuff. And meanwhile, Dana's like, I don't know what he's doing. So, (laughs) you know, let's have fun with Jan while we can, you know, is what I say. So we'll see what happens. What? Can I just say, mm. why is it that you you keep putting this this short time frame on him holding the belt? Because I think I'm, I'm getting mightily upset. Because I don't think Jan is going to be a dominant champ. I really don't. Like I love him, and I'm so happy he won. Because I didn't want Dominic Reyes to be our champ. Like he just, I don't want him to have a microphone ever. I just want him to fight, and I never want to hear wow. him talk. So I prefer Jan as the as the um, as the champ. But, I mean, Michael, you don't think you could see Tiago Santos knocking him out again? Or even Glover is some dangerous old man fighter now. Like, he's dangerous. Nah. Like, come on, man. Nah. No, he's not. I mean, no, Jan can beat not. Glover, but Tiago Santos, that's going to be a good fight. Tiago can beat him yeah. again. You yeah. know. You're right. I, I, exactly. I'm, I'm with you don't there. act like Jan is John Jones part two. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Okay. I'm just trying to just claw some credibility for us Europeans. We've hardly got any um, cred in the <laughs> UFC. And here is a man who is holding aloft the belt and representing us Europeans. Yeah. I want him to be in there as long as he's able to hold on to that belt. And, you know, he's getting better and better, bro. I mean, like from Luke Rockhold up until now, he's just blasting these people away. And he just seems to be so mm. comfortable and so confident in his shoes. And he doesn't even care if y'all don't pick him to win. Like, if he heard this podcast and me saying that, he'd laugh in my face. He'd be like, you know how many times I got to hear that, shorty? You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I fuck with y'all. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm just picking I'm just mm. picking with my brain. I just think the goat is going to give him a problem. But uh, we have a, um, a pretty cool question from Mr. Andrew85. And he, he was like, yo, I only need to hear one thing. What I want to hear your take on Izzy's celebration after the <laughs> Costa knockout. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Mike? You know, you know, let me just kind of set the scene here. For a while, we've been talking about decorum. For a while, we've been talking about fighter conduct quite frankly Mm -hmm. for a while we've been talking about is it appropriate to say this is it appropriate to say that i draw the line at racism and you know the last episode uh, which incidentally was our most popular episode to date and dealt with racism Mm -hmm. because for me it needed to be said a lot of what we discussed but getting back to the matter at hand decorum conducting yourself in a certain fashion um drawing the line Um, in the sand with behavior unbecoming of a fighter I want to see more of what (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't ready I want him to ramp it up to 100 because the shit that was talked before that fight I can understand how elated and how ecstatic he was first of all clinching the win but plus ramming those words down Costa's throat 
I'm shocked and surprised that people haven't actually cottoned on that, you know, Izzy basically schooled Costa, a man who said that, you know, he was going to destroy him, a man who'd been talking for the longest while. Plus, are you telling me, everybody listening to this, that you weren't entertained by that humping? Are you telling me <laughs> that you would actually have that erased from history or have some kind of reprimand leveled at Izzy? Because I'd say you're lying. I found it entertaining. I found it funny. I found it something which I really do feel is in Izzy's wheelhouse in terms of that's so on brand. That is Izzy. And I want to see more of that. Thank you, Mike. And let me tell you something. <laughs> when you First of all, you duped me. Like I was like, oh, shit, he's going to think I'm such a savage. But I'm like, yo, I loved all that gay <laughs> shit, yo. And meanwhile, and then you guilt tripped me because last week I was like, racism is wrong. No justice, no fucking peace. And then this week I'm like, yo, mm. that homoneurotic shit was hilarious. You know what I mean? Like you made me feel so guilty. <laughs> But We've hold up. No, I'm about to I'm about to speak truth. That shit was hilarious. First of all, it, it yeah. irritated me at first. Like when they first started doing that gay stuff online, like it was homoneurotic. And I'm gay and I'm kinda like, guys, stop making fun of gay people. We over here minding our business. Leave us alone. And then like two more weird videos later, I was cracking up laughing. I was like, What is this? This is hilarious. <laughs> and I went with it, let go of being like offended, and just kind of went with it, laughed about it, and then I see a video of them laughing about their shenanigans and just shaking hands in the elevator and you're like oh my god this is so much fun so of course I liked it when he booty clapped the dude at the end of the fight because it was like the icing <laughs> on the gay ass cake like it was like you know like I fucked you dude you was the one making me look like a bitch and making me look all crazy and here I am like pow 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 blowing your back out and then he had the nerve to break dance afterwards too he ain't just booty clapped the man he did a little break dance he got up there he told his coach he's gonna come on him and shit it was wild <laughs> lord have mercy we need more of that you know we need some laughs mike and we got it so i, I pretty much andrew who sent this question mr andrew we loved the celeb the you know the <laughs> we loved the gay shit we loved the celebration andrew <laughs> let's see but that's we just it okay Mm -hmm. we, we we could quite rightly be pulled up on this. On the one hand, you're saying, okay, um, there should be lines in the sand and there should be decorum. Yeah. And on the other hand now, you're saying it's all right for this, this, this homoerotic behavior. But that's, I mean, but Mike, where do you stand? But make Mike, a, that's make, why, make a choice. But that's mm. why I always say a disclaimer, like my views are just mine. I might be a, a, a gay yeah. woman, I might be a black woman, but I could also be a, a gay black woman that is also dealing with the very systems I want to take down, you know? Like, we are yeah. immersed in racism, rape culture, homoneurotic culture. Just because you're gay doesn't mean you don't have, like, you know, um, preconceived notions about gay people yourself. So you have to be mm. careful when you take somebody's, like, views and run with them. But also understand that me and you, Mike, were complex, you know, but we know what's right and what's wrong, and we also know what's fucking funny. And the shit was funny. So, what do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love the the line that you just chucked in there. He blew his back out literally oh, and man, figuratively. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was epic. It's classic stuff, you know. And it's not like he put, he like put his finger in his butt or some shit. He didn't go too far with it. Come on, he was, it, it, they were joking. Pa, when Paolo's done crying in the shower and he comes out and then he goes back to train, he will laugh at that too. So don't worry, he will. 
I think it'll be a few months though before uh, he's laughing. Yeah, he'll be the last person to laugh at that shit, but he will, you know. I feel so bad for him, Mike though. <laughs> oh. I truly do. Man. We got room you know, we got time for one more. We out. You, uh, you, 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 yeah, you you can read my mind, yeah. We we do. Go ahead. <laughs> Perfect. Um we got some I love his name. His name is Caffeine Daddy. Caffeine Daddy mm. said how do you think Dominic Reyes would fare against another elite light heavyweight, Santos, Rockage, um, Jerry Prasaka? And I think that's a great question, Mike, because a lot of times we talk about the winner, but the loser has to fight again, too. So how do you think Dominic yeah. Reyes does now against these other lightweights, these other sharks in his division after a performance like we- that, by the way? <laughs> You see, I think he will be looking to make a dominant statement the next yeah. time he's in there yeah. because that clearly wasn't him. That game plan, whether it was about longevity, mm-hmm. whether it was about pacing yourself, clearly, obviously, he you know came up short. But yeah. I think that whenever he returns, it is going to be, first of all, with the swiftness. I do see him. He doesn't strike me as the kind of person who'd be, you know, um, licking his wounds and spending no. time just kind of like, you know, getting fat and no. spending time He's in, a confident in, you know, guy. drinking sports. proper 12. Yeah, yeah I, I think that we're going to see him back and return really, really quickly, but dominant in terms of whoever he faces next. Yeah. For me, I agree with you, Mike. I think he's not the sore loser type. Well, he is if he thinks he's mm-hmm. won. I remember all that crying he did when he um, thought he beat John Jones, but... Justifiably so. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. But I don't think Mm. he's the type to come back and be like he needs a sports psychologist type of dude. I think he just licks his wounds, like you said, and comes back. However, after watching his fight last night against Jan, I'm starting to worry about him now stylistically. I'm no longer thinking, oh, he can beat everyone in the division except for John Jones, because I was actually leaning towards that um, take. Now I think mm. Rockage can give him a hard time. Did you see how well Rockage grappled against um what's what's uh what's the guy he Rockage just beat up? Anthony Smith. Uh, Anthony Smith. Smith he yeah. grappled the hell out of him and Anthony Smith is a, an accomplished grappler and I think um mm. Rockage can give Reyes a problem. And I think Reyes can give Santos a problem. Those are two accomplished strikers. I think he can outstrike Santos. But Jerry, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Jerry yet, but my thing is, Caffeine Daddy, Dominic Reyes, there's certain people in that division that I think can beat him now. After, I, after what I saw last night, stylistically, there's some problems out there for him. That's my take. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. I've got one question just before we go um, for you then. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Daly returns to action oh, this coming week. I think it's October 1st. Uh-huh. And uh, it's um, a welcome return. He's been away for quite a while. But he was really clear about once he'd reached his 37th birthday, he was no longer going to be in action. Uh So it was quite surprising that, you know, Paul Daly is facing um, Derek Anderson, considering he is 37. But what I was going to say was um, he has kind of like mapped out his exit to the sport and obviously he wants to go out on a high i don't see this being his last fight but it's kind of like clear and he's made it really crystal clear that um you know we are looking at the closing stanza of his career Mm -hmm. who would you like to see him close out his career um clashing fighting um this is gonna sound crazy 
I want to see mm. him fight somebody that he can drop that left hand on and blow them to smithereens, which will not be somebody called Michael Page. Okay? So I'm unsure who that would be, but I would like to go the Bellator route, and this is probably going to sound so crazy, but give him somebody he can fucking beat on his last fucking fight, and I want to show... I, really? Yes. Yes, he deserves it. The man is 41 and 17. Let him go out. I don't want to see him now grappling Michael Venom Page again or, or fighting some wrestler that could possibly smother him. Give him somebody he can fucking punch to Guam and the, the other side of the world. Yes, he deserves it. Mm. And it's Bellator. That's what they do. This is not the UFC. Michael Venom Page can get can after can after can. Give fucking um, Paul Daly a nice fight to retire on and make him look good. What about you? You see, I'm going with uh, what you just poo-pooed. I'd like to see Paul Daly clash MVP. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's clear that isn't Paul Daly's fighting style. What we saw there was horrendous. (laughs) And you want to see it again. Paul, Paul, no, Paul in his natural form, and that is on his feet, swinging that left. Now, I don't know why that was the game plan. I don't know why, you know, he chose because to Because MVP try and is fit a him. dangerous striker. That's why. Like, he didn't want to go toe-to-toe with him. That's a, yo. Yeah, but look how many dangerous strikers. I mean, Lima. I mean, the Red King. How many people has he, has, you know, Paul Daly faced who are stand-up killers? He didn't want to take that I, chance. I do see that. He, he would rather huh? lose by grappling. You know, sometimes fighters would rather lose by grappling than to get knocked out by somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I suspect sometimes <laughs> fighters are like, yo, I'd rather fucking wrestle him for five rounds and lose than let that motherfucker knock me yeah. out. And I think that's what happened here. Michael Page is too dangerous for Paul Daly to play them games, so he he grappled him. And I think Michael Page felt the same way. They they seemed comfortable having some type of no gi competition in the Bellator cage. Like, I don't want to no, see it, Mike. And I think I, you're I the only disagree. person that wants to see that shit. We gonna ask Chisanga on right. Wednesday. I, I am, I'm gonna have to snitch. I, yeah, I, I, I am. You're right. I am the only one who wants to see it. Every time I bring it up, everybody's like, are you crazy? No, I almost want to bring it up on Wednesday. Yeah, like, I think I want to do a poll and I want to bring it up on Wednesday because you are bugging out your mind. Why I like it is because, I don't know if you noticed, but Paul Daly has disappeared from the broadcast team of uh, Bellator. Yeah, did you not notice that? Yeah, I did. Now, I'm guessing, I don't know this is fact, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it's because the last time he was he was on the desk, he rubbished MVP by saying, look, they need to give him someone who is a bit more of a challenge these days. I'm quite happy to be that challenge. But he, the last time out Mike, he, wasn't what we all thought it would but be. But, Mike, he did it so professionally. I just don't quite understand why they, not canned him for that, but why they gave him a seat. Like, that it wasn't obnoxious. It wasn't like on Colby. It wasn't Colby Covington. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> you know, like, it was, <laughs> I don't get it. I, I just, when I saw that, I was like, damn, Bellator is soft. Like, why would they do that? Or maybe um, MVP has more juice than Paul Daly because I didn't quite understand what he said was so bad. But here we are. I think <laughs> Paul, yeah, Paul, Paul has actually alluded to it. Whether there's any substance behind this, I don't know. Yeah. But let's just put it this way. Paul is no longer on the desk. <laughs> and um, insane. MVP, he, he, he does, um, from, from, my, from where I'm sat, he, he does um, get 
well, he, get, he gets treated nicely by Bellator. Yes. Treated very, very well. And um, I, I don't think what Paul did was out of order or anything that was kind of like unbecoming of a, of a sports personality. But perhaps, you know, that wasn't the right forum to kind of like cuss off your yeah. ex-rival. And at the time, it, he was an ex-rival because they'd actually patched things up. But, yeah. you know, I think uh, what Paul has done there is opened our wounds, which rings, brings me back to the reason why I'd like to see this as um, something which, you know, Paul rides off into the sunset on because yeah. those wounds are now freshly opened and that beef is still live and kicking again. So there is every reason to make that fight. There's every reason for that to be set up. When you take into consideration that, for my money, um, whilst MVP versus Ross Houston is a good fight, mm-hmm. I don't think that you could put Ross Houston on Paul Daly's level, could you? No. So why can't you put Paul Daly back in there then? Go on, answer <laughs> that one. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, it's not a fight that people want to see because there's a huge possibility that they grapple again and that both of them are not strong grapplers and it's not what people want to see. And it, it just wasn't mm. a very exciting fight. Although it's intriguing because we didn't get to see a stand-up war. And nobody really cares yes. that MVP is the better grappler, I guess, according to the judges and what they saw. But it's just really not going to... Mm. Not that it's not going to sell because they both have good names. It's just people just... It, there won't be a buzz for it unless they really start acting crazy again and create another heated rivalry. I don't, I'm petrified to see you them see, grapple again is what I'm saying. I'd rather Paul Daly just kind of nail somebody, some can, and, and just obliterate them. <laughs> I mean, MVP's about to do it. He's about to fight some guy that I've never heard of. So, Well, I have to say, you know, in, with all due respect, Ross Houston is a formidable um, opponent. But I don't see him on the level. As, How many um, times have we heard Paul that? Daly. The Italian guy, the, you know, like, <laughs> I'm happy Paul Daly. No, Ross Houston, he, he's... Ross Houston is from uh, from the UK. Oh, okay. He's from Scotland. Okay, cool. I think he's from Scotland. Well, he's definitely from the UK anyway. Yeah. I mean, we shall see. I mean, this is the Bellator way. I'm not going to complain too much because there are some times where I wish, you know, like the <laughs> UFC would do this for some fight. Like Shemaev. Why can't we see Shemaev beat up a whole bunch mm. of people first before he fights Izzy? Because, you know, right now he's calling out Israel Adesanya. You know, so I'm just like... Yeah. You know, and Dana's crazy. He'll do it if he wants to, so... You just never know where we're going to go with this. So I do appreciate Bellator kind of having like this can development, you know, program for certain fighters. So what are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. Well, that about wraps up this episode of the Wokecast. As usual, if you wanted to continue any of the talking points that we have raised on this episode, you can catch me on Twitter at MikeWoTV. And G, where can people catch you? I'm always at the G Spot MMA. Well, we'll be back later on in the week with Kairos and Tasanga. And hopefully, we'll be doing even bigger numbers than we have Gia. done already. You know, massive respect to everybody who has actually downloaded, subscribed. Um, it does make us feel loved and um, it's great to have that kind of following plus given the topics that we discussed last time it's good to know that people are intrigued and it's good to know that people um, well also want to know how we feel and what we say on it because these are discussions which aren't taking place elsewhere well 
Until next time, make some trouble. Let it go!